Presented by the United States Sentencing Commission, this is Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast for federal sentencing practitioners covering topics of interest. Here are your hosts, Abisay Bayisa and Rachel Pierce. Uh, Rachel, I have a question for you um, about the death resulting from drugs mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually have a case, I've never heard this before, but it's an instance where the defendant has pled guilty to one count charging a drug conspiracy. It, as part of the conspiracy, at least what the indictment says, is that the defendant sold drugs to lots of individuals um, and on several of those occasions, right, several of the victims mm -hmm. that the defendant gave drugs to, uh, the use of the drugs resulted in the death of at least two victims. Okay. Um, so you've got one count, but the death of two victims, and then I've got a call from a probation officer about one, the first question is, you know, can you use those higher offense level at the beginning of 2D uh, 1.1, the mm -hmm. ones that go to death resulting right. as opposed to quantity? And then the second question is, how do you account for, or where in the in 2D 1.1 can you account for more than one death? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it is an interesting question, and honestly, I've gotten it before, and I think maybe part of the reason why we're seeing this more is is part of the the opioid crisis and yes. the fact that you know there's fentanyl that's yes. being introduced into these opioids and folks are really overdosing oh, and yes. dying more than they were in the past and, and and so as a result of course law enforcement is charging it and and the prosecutors are charging it more often um, and um, this was actually a harrowing case right i'm assuming with fentanyl too but the caller wasn't clear on the right so there's actually um a couple things i want to talk about with this particular instance and i guess i'll start with you mentioned the increased base offense level. Right. Um, if the offensive conviction establishes that death or serious bodily injury resulted from the use of the substance. And so folks that are familiar with that guideline are familiar with that aspect of the, the increased base offense level. But the, but the one thing I want to start out by saying or talking about with that is that's very specific. The offensive conviction has to establish okay. that death or serious body. So that's the first hurdle you have to to you know, get over, if okay. you will. Um, it's not a relevant conduct standard. It's not a, if it's in the statement of facts, um, you know, we talked about stipulations earlier right. and how it, they had to be very specific. Okay. It couldn't be just in the statement of facts. This is a similar type of analysis. Uh, the offense of conviction itself has to establish death or serious bodily injury. And that's in relation to any victim, much less multiple. So let me just stop you, because I think sometimes the issue with those higher offense levels in 2D1.1 for death or serious bodily injury. I, 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 I've read that language about mm -hmm. the offensive conviction must establish. Right. And I, I wonder if sometimes the reason that we get calls on this, and, and you mentioned relevant conduct, mm -hmm. is because, you know, drugs, we know that drugs is the type of offense for which expanded relevant conduct applies, exactly. right? What we call expanded relevant conduct. Exactly. And so when people call the helpline with, 
drug quantity questions, right? And they ask, can we look outside, you know, the dates in the indictment? And we say, well, you know, is it the same course of conduct, common exactly. scheme or plan? And you can look outside the offense of conviction. And I wonder if sometimes people have that in their minds. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's drugs. I can look outside the offense of conviction and I can look to relevant conduct. And it's clear here that there's a conspiracy. The defendant was dealing drugs as part of a conspiracy, and at least two people have died. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what I'm hearing you say is that expanded relevant conduct analysis doesn't apply for these high offense, you know, the 43s and the 38s, because of this specific language about the offense of conviction established. Exactly. Death or serious bodily injury. So you're saying the offense of conviction means... What, in the indictment, in the charging document? Yeah, offensive conviction is, is charging instruments. Okay. Uh, well, you know, the conduct that the defendant is charged with. Okay. Whether it's an information or an indictment. Um, it focuses on that conduct that the defendant is charged with. And it, it's exactly this narrowing of relevant conduct. And we do it in other places in the guidelines. You know, we may say uh, if the defendant possessed a firearm as opposed to if the offense involved a firearm. Mm -hmm. That would be a narrowing of relevant conduct. And that's exactly what this is because it is an increased base offense level, uh, potentially up to 43. Right. For a base offense level, which is obviously as high as you can possibly right. go for a base offense level. Uh, and it does require that, that narrowing of looking at simply the offense that the defendant is convicted of, that, that conduct. So it is very, uh, it's a narrow application. It's not your general relevant, con expanded relevant conduct okay. as we just talked about. Um, so I think, again, that's the first hurdle that, that you have to get over. So assuming, and you know, this was a voicemail and I wanted to talk with you before I called the, um, uh -huh. the probation officer back. Um, so assuming, let's, for assumption's sake, for our discussion, that the offensive conviction establishes, like the indictment or the information specifically says, you know, this defendant was dealing drugs, and as a result of this dr drug dealing, mm -hmm. two people have died. Right. I guess going to my second question is, I don't, unless I'm crazy, I don't see where in the guideline you can account for two for more or ten one. even right. exactly. deaths. Well, and you're right. Uh, the You know, there is no mechanism at 2D1.1 to do separate calculations or pseudo counts or however you want to describe it for additional victims. Right, again, because I think this is, a dr in the drug case, you know, when we talk about drugs and grouping, we always say, oh, it's, it's aggregate, right? It is. Add up all the drugs, you get an offense level. Mm -hmm. And so we never talk about, you know, fear and harm or anything we've ever said for like other crimes that have victims like mm -hmm. robberies or, um, you know, production. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems to me as I'm reading the guideline that assuming you get past that initial hurdle of the offense of conviction establishes, mm -hmm. whether there's one victim or 10, right. you just get that high offense level, let's say it's a 38, right. one time. Right. Is that? That's correct. And, okay. you, and in this case, it's only one count of conviction. Even if you had three or four multiple counts that alleged three victims oh. and had, had the offensive conviction established for three different victims, the grouping rules would work so that you would group all of those counts under Rule D 
and apply the guidelines based on all of that conduct. Again, not specifically accounting for each of the individual victims. There's not a special instruction at 2D1.1 like there is at 2G2.1, which is the production of child pornography, that talks about the offense involving more than one victim and doing calculations as if the defendant had been convicted um, of producing child pornography for each of those victims. We don't have that same application here at 2D1.1. So then the question may be, okay, well, how do you account for these additional deaths? That was my question. Well, oh, I, I'm anticipating that right. will be the question. Exactly. And so I, I think the short answer is the guideline does not provide a way to account for separate victims. 2D1.1 does not. No, okay. it does not. Uh, so, you know, you may want to look at other things such as recommending a sentence at the high end of the range, you know, assuming you're getting this 43 offense level or even sure, 38, 38, you're going to be pretty close to a life sentence anyway. Uh, so it may be that the, the sentence itself is is accounting for it enough. It's, it's it. sufficient to account for the fact that there are, are multiple deaths. Um, if there's any room to vary upward, certainly that would be a, a way that the court could address if they were interested in addressing these additional victims, a way to do that. Okay. Um, but I think just sort of reiterating the application of relevant conduct and how it applies in drug offenses and what's required in order for this increased base offense level to apply is just sort of what folks need to be reminded of when they see cases like this. Right, and and I guess going back to that first hurdle that you talked mm -hmm. about, about the offense of conviction establishing, you know, again, I think we get a lot of calls where people say, oh, well, the statement of facts in the plea right. agreement, agreed. which the defendant signed mm -hmm. and agreed to, right. right, is that enough to meet this language of the offense of conviction establishes? And if it's just in the statement of facts, I would say no. It's and I, not. I, I've always said the same thing because, I, again, I think the offense of conviction is actually talking about, you know, not, again, not relevant conduct right, and right. not facts in a plea agreement, but like if you look at a charging instrument and you read it, mm -hmm. what does that count of conviction say the defendant did, right? Exactly. And so it's like we're limiting ourselves mm -hmm. to, to very specific. I think, documents and parts of relevant conduct. So exactly. it's just the offense of conviction. Right, right. Um, but, you know, this whole multiple deaths is one where I know I flip back and forth um, through 2D1.1 thinking, well, maybe there is a special instruction at the right. end that I just <laughs> never read. But There is a special instruction, but it's not it's on... Not this. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, not not, on, it's not on multiple victims. <laughs> um, so... Okay, well, I know I feel a lot better about this situation, and I, I wonder if we're going to keep getting calls like this. I think just sort of looking at what's been going on with drug cases. Mm -hmm. uh, I, would, I would think lately. that we would, yeah. All right, thanks, Rachel. Mm -hmm. Sure. This wraps up our episode of Sentencing Practice Talk, today brought to you by the United States Sentencing Commission. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check back often for new topics. Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast on federal sentencing issues. Please be advised that information provided by the Commission staff is offered to assist in understanding and applying the sentencing guidelines. The information does not necessarily represent the official position of the Commission, should not be considered definitive, and is not binding upon the Commission, the Court, or the parties in any case.